1: For Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanes Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: I like football! What up, Montana? Coulter Nuanas nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching it in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. It's your one-stop shop for all things sports around the Treasure State each and every weekday from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN Missoula and SWX Montana TV. You want to find it anywhere else, YouTube, good option, N-U-A-N-E-Z, or you can go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab, you'll find the stream. You want to be involved in the show? Call us, text us, any of that, 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. A lot to get to today. It's a Tuesday, so that means we have our annual Tuesday slate, our normal Tuesday slate. Uh, every other Tuesday, I do the business angle with Justin Angle. We'll do that here in about five minutes. It's the overlay between business and sports. A lot of pertinent topics to talk about right now the the relationship and the overlay and the symbiosis between uh, business and sports is reaching a fever pitch. I think I think we have a tipping point on our hands because it is among if not the lead story for almost all stories right now, particularly in a college town like Missoula, Montana, a college oriented state like the state of Montana. The Grizzlies, the Bobcats, those are the biggest entities in the state. Those are the pro teams in the state. The business that's being hatched out of college athletics, a big deal. So Justin Angle will join us here in just a few minutes. Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads will swing by about 4.30. We're going to talk all-star game. Uh, Major League Baseball Home Run Derby, and a preview of the All-Star Game, and also uh, just about the Paddleheads, the stretch run they got coming up. By the way, 888-1029 is what you're going to want to remember because I have, count them, 1, 2, 3, 4 here on the desk. 1, 2, 3, 4, four sets of four tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we will, uh, we'll give those away throughout the rest of the show. So remember that number, 888-1029. Calling or texting will get you. A pack of tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads. Top of the hour, second hour. This is fun, man. I'm I'm very. How do you say? I'm honored and uh, also uh, gratified and also just appreciate the relationship that we've been able to make here at ESPN Radio, uh, and that I've been able to make a good friend now in Marty Morningway. He's a former offensive coordinator at the NFL level. I uh, spent. Time with the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, Baltimore Ravens, coach guys like Brett Favre, uh, Donovan McNabb, Jeff Garcia, Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, uh, on down through the way. I mean, one of the great quarterback coaches of the modern era, a Montana Grizzly uh, alum, University of Montana alum. And now a good friend of the show. So Marty's putting on his annual quarterback camp later on this week, but he'll join me for the second hour. We're going to talk about that camp. We're going to talk all things uh, NFL. We're going to talk about the Montana Football Hall of Fame. And I got a couple open-ended questions for him as well. So Jam Pack Show, we'll look forward to all of that. A couple pieces of news before we get to Justin Angle, which is coming up here in about, oh, two minutes. Couple of pieces of news. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do this now. I think we're gonna lead with sort of a news bulletin and then get into the discussion points. So that's that'll be a sort of a new fold uh, to Nuana's now, which is by the way broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport studio. Northwest Motorsport is located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in Missoula, they're new to town. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. You can go check out all that inventory today. If you follow college football around the state of Montana over the last 20, 25 years, uh, and I know that sometimes it's a little bit tougher to follow outside of the Division I ranks or the college uh, or the uh, high school ranks, excuse me, but the Frontier Conference does have a lot of, of good uh, following, fandom, support, all that in the state of Montana, but it was at its fever pitch, uh, the first decade of the, of the 21st century, when Carroll College was dominating. And Mike Van Deest was a, an enormous, if not the determining factor in that domination. He was the architect of it all. He was the head coach at Carroll College for 20 years. And he had, quite honestly, one of the greatest runs in the history of the state of Montana for a guy from Montana, but period. That happened in the state or by a native Montanan. He won more than 200 games. He won six count them six national championships including a four-peat that is unprecedented in pretty much all levels of college football a four-peat between 2002 and 2005 and in 20 years 14 yes that's right 14 frontier conference titles well mike van Deese retired uh, a few years ago From Carroll College, he came out of retirement to be an assistant at the University of Mary last year, which is uh, in North Dakota, but now he is back in the Frontier Conference. So This is big news. Uh, Mike Van Deist, the defensive coordinator for the Montana State Northern Lights. That's the uh, Frontier Conference team and the Frontier Conference school in Haver, Montana. So a big get for Andrew Rollins and his staff. Mike Van Deist, one of the winningest coaches in the history of the state of Montana. I think there's 14 guys College or high school that have over 200 wins in their career while coaching in Montana. Mike Van Deest is one of those. So Mike Van Deest, former Carroll College head coach, back in the Frontier Conference as the defensive coordinator for the Montana State Northern Lights. The other piece of news, uh, from uh, I guess we have two more before we get to Justin Angle, Business Angle. By the way, uh, it's Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. University of Montana men's basketball team, they got a Mountain West opponent coming to Missoula for the first time since 2016. So that's a long time. Travis DeKir entering his eighth season. Uh, He's not had a Mountain West opponent since his third season. That's when Wyoming came to Missoula back in 2016. Uh, But the Grizzlies, they will host Air Force December 8th here in Missoula. Uh, It seems like, okay, Air Force won three games in the Mountain West last year. I think they won five games overall. Why is this a big deal? Well, the way that college basketball is stratified, the money it takes to get a home-and-home Combined with the fact that Montana has an excellent home court advantage, particularly if a Mountain West school is coming to Missoula, people are going to show off for that. You're going to have to play in front of a hostile crowd. Why would you... Spend money or take limited money to do that if you're a Mount West school. That's been the conundrum that Montana's faced. Boise State and Air Force and Wyoming, those schools, they used to be in Dahlberg Arena all the time. The way the money goes now, it's hard to get them. So Air Force coming to town December 8th. The Grizz will have a return to that home and home uh, in 2022. Last little brief before we get to Justin Angle, Business Angle. Bennett Hostetler. He's a former Bozeman Buck American Legion standout and uh, recently the Summit League MVP, North Dakota State. He was picked in the 17th, uh, excuse me, the 17th pick of the 18th round, so 539th overall by the Miami Marlins this afternoon. Hostetler said, quote, I would say that it has been something I've been working for my whole life, and I can even describe the excitement. I feel, uh, to start my professional career, there are too many people to thank, but the amount of support I've been shown makes me proud to be from Bozeman. Uh, so very cool. A Montana kid drafted in the 17th round uh, by the Miami Marlins, Bennett Hostetler, a former Bozeman Buck, a former North Dakota State standout, heading to at least the uh, the minor leagues, let alone maybe to the show eventually someday. It's Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Got a four-pack of tickets to Thursday night's game. The Missoula Paddleheads. Here's the scenario. I won't bore you too much because Jeff Safford from the Paddleheads swinging by here in about 30 minutes. The Paddleheads now are into the last three games of the first half of the season. They are tied for the lead in the Pioneer League North. So this team basically has a three-game series against the Billings Mustangs, the Idaho Falls Chuckers. I'm not sure who they play. Maybe Great Falls. But regardless, win and a loss, whatever the scenario, Jeff Safford will get it Get to it. This is a championship series this this uh, upcoming next couple days. So I got four tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads versus the Billings Mustangs. That's Thursday, July 15th. Give us a call right now, 406-888-1029. You can also text that number as well. We'll go either caller or texter number two. Whoever's the second person, Reese, to get a hold of us, 406-888-1029. Four tickets to the Missoula Paddleheads game Thursday against the Billings Mustangs. Do we have Justin? Reese will call Justin here in just a quick minute. I will be funny to, uh, will be fun. Excuse me to um, watch the paddleheads down the stretch here, and it'll be fun to catch up with Jeff Safford. It's I like this uh, six on one off format. Basically, the uh, the day off for the paddleheads each and every week is Tuesday, and so Jeff swings by on Tuesdays and gives us a recap. And so, uh, an interesting phenomenon to analyze these six game series. Like for example, the Paddleheads were just in Ogden for a six-game s- set against the Raptors. So, playing the same team six times in a row, especially when you're on the road, it's not even a home and away. Uh, it's certainly, it's an interesting scenario, uh, to be sure. And uh, it makes for analysis that I've never really had to provide when it comes to to baseball. So, uh, stay tuned for that, but give us a call right now, 406-888-1029, or give us a text as well, because the phone lines, they're going to be tied up here in just a minute. Uh, what so, uh, right now, while Justin Angle's on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, text us, 888 second texter, we will get a uh, four-pack of tickets to you to the Missoula Paddleheads when Justin's done. Maybe we'll take some calls again, but I got four four-packs, so uh, keep it coming, 888-1029. We go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Time for a business angle. We do this every other week, every other Tuesday here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Justin Engel, he's a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School and one of the great contributors to this show. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, very indicative that our conversations always go long because I just I can't stop ever picking Justin's brain. But Justin, thanks so much for being with us, my man, and how are you doing? I'm doing
1: well. How are you doing?
0: I am doing better than I possibly could imagine. I'm so excited for football to be back in the fold. I know the smoke is kind of weighing on people's minds, but, uh, man... For somebody that's a sports junkie like me, I didn't realize how much it screwed with my head not having anything. And now, you know, tomorrow I'm going to the Paddleheads game, uh, not as a media guy, as like just a social member of this community. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for football. Uh, So it's good to be sort of at least returning uh, to some sense of of what we knew uh, before this long-term pandemic.
1: It's all happening, and it, and it feels really good. You know, it's funny you mentioned the smoke. I am uh, currently visiting family in New Hampshire, and we are experiencing essentially the opposite of Missoula weather. I think it rained an inch today at my folks' place, and it's foggy and dreary, and, um, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer, but it feels like a fairly nice uh, trade for Missoula smoke right now.
0: One of the places in the country, I've been a lot of places in America, but uh, the... The northeast of, of New England, New Hampshire, Vermont, the, those uh, areas. I have no comprehension of that. So, Selby, give me your 30-second sell. What do I need to see if I go to New Hampshire, Vermont? Because I know a fair amount of people from that neck of the woods.
1: Oh, man. Well, you know, you got to see the history. So, go to Boston, check out, you know, the, the USS Constitution. Check out Salem, where the witch trials were. um, In New Hampshire, you can check out the White Mountains and uh, come in the fall so you see the foliage. I mean, people talk about it, and you think, like, we have colors in the fall in in Montana, but uh, it's different here, and it's worth seeing. So I would say come in the fall, and hopefully the Red Sox are playing well, and you can catch a playoff game at Fenway. That would be a classic trip.
0: Oh, man. I, I will get that on the books uh, someday. Justin Angle joining us. It's a business angle. It's presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. Okay, three different points to get to, Justin. One thing you and I have been talking about a lot is d- d- sort of the economy of college sports, whether it's um, the college football playoff, the NCAA tournament, uh, all of the money that comes along with that, the proposal of name, image, and likeness. Well, now here we are. Name, image, and likeness is a reality. Uh, NCAA schools can no longer stop athletes from monetizing their name, image, and likeness. And all of a sudden now, we, no, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, rapidly, we have seen the rise of potential competition. The NCAA has basically never been challenged. In a lot of this, they've had basically a a monopoly on amateur athletics, which in itself sounds like an anomaly. But here we are now where things are rapidly changing. So before we get to some of the details about Overtime Elite and some of these other companies, your overall general thoughts, because I I guess we're only uh, less than two weeks into this thing. July 1st is when this first went uh, formal, but we haven't talked since then. So what are your thoughts just on name, image, likeness, and the state of collegiate athletics and higher learning in general?
1: I mean, what we're seeing, we hear this term disruption in business all the time, right? And it's, it's easy to sort of understand disruption after the fact when it's in the rearview mirror. To think about, like, how Amazon has disrupted retail, um, it wasn't quite clear if it was going to play out back in the 90s when it was this little upstart bookstore on the Internet, Um what we're experiencing right now in collegiate athletics is disruption. You know, there's a ton of money in collegiate athletics, and essentially very little of that money, if not zero of that money, goes to the players. And the players, in a lot of ways, are the asset. And the institutions, be it the NCAA and the universities, those have been the centers of power historically. And what we're seeing is a shift. You know, the law. And um, sort of market forces are shifting some of the power toward the players and away from the NCAA and away from these colleges and universities, and we're going to see how that, how that shakes out. Um, I haven't yet really gotten my head around how I sort of feel about it. Um, You know, it's it's not um, universally good. It's not universally bad. It's just sort of happening. And I think there's important to to sort of pay attention and to sort of think about, from my perspective, I think about the... um, in my pr- primary interest as a, as a college professor is what's in the best interest of the students and their families, and not not just the students, but these these young athletes. What's in the best interest of of, of those folks and their families? And I, I don't quite know what to think yet. So, as we talk about overtime elite and some of these other other sort of emergent uh, disrupting disrupting forces, um, you know, that's where kind of my mind's going to be.
0: I'll lead us down an alternative path for a moment just because that's what we do. It's a business angle on Nuances now. Justin Angle joining us on the Riggage Brothers RV phone line. And, uh, Justin, twofold over the 4th of July, I was, uh, spending some time up at Flathead Lake and, uh, there was a lot of people at the place I was staying. So it was kind of taking shifts, whoever got to go on the boat. So I happily, I uh, took a shift in the middle of the day one day to just sit on the dock and read for a couple hours in a row, which was glorious. And I read a couple of Sports Illustrateds back to back. And one of the Sports Illustrateds, the cover story was about the WNBA. And this is the, this summer is the 25th anniversary of the WNBA. And basically the hook of the article was the, the WNBA has avoided uh, any sort of windfall or any sort of um, boosted exposure that we've seen for so many different other sports when they are tied to issues of social justice or the pandemic pandemic heightened exposure because of the pandemic. The WNBA has basically been absolved from that. And the thesis was, though, that it has nothing to do with the quality of the sport or the quality of the athlete. It has to do with what the the machine as it is uh, presents you, what, what the people that are running the sports world present you. Well, then that then got me to continue reading. And I read this other article about the G League uh, Ignite, which is this special arm of the g-league which is basically the minor leagues of sports illustrated or excuse me of the nba and sports illustrated was highlighting this because basically when we watch college hoops it is such a massive commodity which is in contrast to what the wnba is so collegiate hoops and the tv deals and the people that cover this stuff they want to promote massively the brands the players all those things and so then in turn Things like the G League Ignite, where some of actually the best teenage basketball players in the country are playing, get hardly any exposure. It's all a monetization. It's all a presentation. And that's basically been the downfall of the WNBA. So that whole thing is to widely say that even though we are about to reach this new horizon where there are different levels of competition, exposure, all that stuff, The NCAA's brand is still so powerful, the way that the NCAA tournament and college football still dictate so many of the storylines across college sports. Uh, It's an interesting interesting one, but you talk about disruptors. So tell us about Overtime Elite and what that could possibly then mean, because it seems as if this is just the first of what could be many arms of competition when it comes to those dollars, whether it's TV dollars, marketing dollars for schools, or whatever in between.
1: I mean, ultimately, the way to kind of look at this marketplace is to consider the NBA and the NBA teams as sort of the top of the food chain, right? They kind of set the market for talent in these players. And so from the player's perspective, it's like, what is my best way to make it to the market in the strongest position? What is the best way to monetize my talent? And so what we're seeing is, you know, students can, or, you know, th- players can choose to go to a big time college program, you know, and, and, and develop as a player to get great exposure through the TV deals. Like if you're a basketball player at Duke or Kentucky or any of these big programs, I mean, you're gonna be on TV a lot. You're gonna be exposed to scouts you're going to be exposed to you know nba coaches you're going to get great coaching from your big program um coaches like the mike trishevsky's of the world and the cal parties of the world etc so you've got kind of a a system that's designed not only to win basketball games but to sort of expose you and to give you upward mobility but what we're seeing as you mentioned the g-league ignite and overtime elite is now another player. Is that these leagues are coming in and saying hey You know, high school basketball players, instead of going to college, go directly to our kind of developmental professional league, earn a salary right away. I mean, this kid, Jalen Lewis, um, just signed hes 16 years old. He just signed a million dollar deal. And he said no to the likes of Duke and Kentucky in order to play in this overtime elite league. And so the question to me is like, how much, uh, you know, ultimately these leagues only work. Well, they work in two ways. The first way is if they can capture viewers, right? If they can sell the content so that guys like you and me buy subscriptions, get them on cable, whatever, watch these things, pay for ad revenue, all of that stuff. If they can monetize the content, they'll be able to make the money it takes to pay the players and to pay the players higher salaries and to make the offer more enticing than going to college, The other way, and you mentioned that the Ignite League is is backed by the NBA, the other way is if the NBA says, hey, you know, we want to develop our own kind of talent development pipeline, much like the minor leagues in baseball. And whether that's owned by the NBA or if these NBA franchises start developing their own teams within those leagues, it'll be interesting to see how the athletes kind of decide. And ultimately, you know, it's it's what you've got to sort of figure out, like, what is the best path toward monetization? You know, if I'm a high school, if I'm a top 10 high school uh, basketball player, is it better for me to go to Duke and to get that exposure, to get that great coaching, to get that kind of nurturing system? Or is it better for me to go right to a competitive, salaried um, spot where I can monetize my ability and the sort of direct, this sort of explicit goal is to prepare me for the next level of basketball. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out. I'm still, I'm not ready to sort of sound the death knell for the NCAA, the NCAA tournament and college basketball in general, but these disruptive forces are certainly interesting and something to pay attention to.
0: No question. Justin Engel joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's a business angle he is a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School and uh, we do this every other week presented by Blackfoot Communications the overlay between business and sports I'm Coulter Nuones it's 1029 ESPN Missoula. and Justin there's so much there but i think that yeah to 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 if you're selling a kid on planet cameron indoor arena against for duke against north carolina the experience is priceless i mean that that is worth more than Anything you could possibly give a kid monetarily. But I also think that so often the reason guys go awry, especially when they're one-and-done players that go from schools like Duke and North Carolina directly to the NBA, is they don't get any sort of the learning experience of what it's like to be on the road for, for seven games in nine days or be living out of a suitcase, flying on charter flights all the time, or what it's like to be an NBA player where you have all of these different demands, but you also don't have class and the structure and these coaches breathing down your necks you're on your own so i think that from a professional development standpoint and a pure financial benefit standpoint going the way of becoming a minor league professional is absolutely the way to go but what is that experience of playing in the duke north carolina game worth a lot of kids might choose that as well so i do think that you're right it's going to be a push and pull for quite some time
1: Yeah, I think ultimately, too, it's a numbers game. Like, how many prospects are out there like the Jalen Lewis's of the world that could, you know, demand a salary right out of college such that you have enough players that you can actually build a reasonably strong league with reasonable teams that people are going to want to watch? Or are you just going to have, like, a set of high school superstars sort of mixed in with journeyman professionals that can't make an NBA roster. And if that's the case, it it just kind of presents, presents like this really mixed dynamic. Um, and then the other thing too is like, you know, for these families and these young kids, you know, I mean, I, I can't help but sort of come back to my role as an educator. Like, You know, I think universities, and there's plenty of flaws with college athletics, and we've talked about those flaws, and I'm not trying to pump up that system uh, in any way. But at the same time, I do think, like, at our core, our mission is that we do education and we do, you know, development of human capital. We do that well. And, you know... I'd like to think that there's a lot of upside to coming to university. I mean, I think a lot of folks sort of say, like, oh, yeah, you know, you got to come to get the education. And there's the purity of that argument that I think is a little naive, particularly for these one-and-done kids at the big schools. But at the same time, like, there is a system in place to help develop um, young people and um, – you know, we'll sort of see what these what these other alternative pathways can do. If they're not developing the whole person, is that whole person prepared for the demands of, uh, of the NBA and beyond? Because it's not just like being prepared to play being prepared to deal with uh, all the responsibilities, all the sort of financial implications of having all this money at a young age. I mean, there's a lot going on in, in the life of a young NBA player, and it takes preparation on multiple dimensions. And, and maybe these professional leagues can do that, um, and, and colleges certainly don't do it perfectly. I'm not, I'm not saying, suggesting that, but um, it will be interesting to see what, what young kids and families decide is the best pathway for them.
0: Just Angle joining us. It's a business angle here on Nuanas now. I'm Coulter Nuanas. This is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. And one last thought on this, Justin, before we get to the major league baseball All Star game, which will take place tonight. Um That's the craziest part about basketball that sets it apart from any other sport, though, is the majority of guys that will become great superstars are prodigies, and they are uh, what you think they might be when they're 18 or 19 years old. Like I did this when NBA players, or excuse me, when high school players were eligible for the NBA draft from 1995 until about 2006, 2007. I think there was something like 50 or 60 guys drafted from high school. And it was my estimation that about a full two thirds of those players at the very least became multiple year NBA starters about half of those players became all-stars and about a third of those players are straight Hall of Famers like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett guys that were uh, they were just that good when they were that young and that's why I think basketball it's part of the mystique of basketball Uh, we, we continue to see it the guys from Europe guys like Luka Doncic I mean, he stepped in the NBA when he was 19 years old and he's, bam, he's one of the 15 best players in the league automatically. And so I do think that there is a great value in collegiate uh, experience, a great value in being mentored, in being an adult, being a professional, all those things. But I do think that some of these guys are just such transcendent talents. First of all, they're going to have so many people pulling at them to uh, make them into a commodity uh, based on their talent. But more than anything, though, these guys are sort of just destined. I mean, so many of these young guys, they this is just what they were meant to do, what they're meant to be.
1: So those guys need a development league, you know. Right. It, it doesn't seem like they do. They can sort of step in on day one, and so for the guys that do need a development league, are there enough of them to um, to, to sort of have a sustainable product? You know, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical that there'll be enough bodies there, and with multiple leagues, it, it makes it even more tough.
2: No
0: question. Uh, sorry, MLB All-Star Game, Shohei Otani is taking baseball by storm. I say that because it's not taking the sporting world by storm. It's getting a little bit of pub, but not nearly the pub uh, I think it deserves. Connor McGregor's broken left ankle is getting way more publicity than Shohei Otani. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are getting way more publicity. Uh, so, Justin, where are we at, though? Because Shohei Otani competed in the home run derby last night. Uh, he didn't. I should say didn't live up to expectations. He was the number one seed. He didn't advance, uh, but still a good spectacle. And now tonight in the All-Star game, he will start on the mound as a pitcher and also hit leadoff for the American League. It seems to me that this is the golden goose for Major League Baseball. So if he can't be the guy that brings Major League Baseball into the true uh, center of the sports conversation, I don't really know who might.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're framing that as like this. this, this and, you know, Major League Baseball is in this moment where it's it's having a hard time gaining traction, and I think you're right. I mean, the league has sort of struggled. I think it struggled throughout COVID. The schedule was sort of all over the place. You didn't really know what was going on. I think such a long schedule um, put these teams at such risk of disruption over the course of COVID, and you know that we're coming out of it. mean, you know, people are sort of trying to pay attention again, and um, you know, particularly with the NBA running into the summer, uh, it's sort of a hard time to kind of pay attention to to baseball. The fact that the NBA Finals are overlapping with the All-Star Game is is weird as well. The All-Star Game sort of used to just have, like, center stage all by itself and not be competing with any other other sort of athletic property. And this guy, Otani, I mean, gosh, uh, leadoff hitter and starting pitcher, Totally marketable guy, an international athlete, doing things that that essentially nobody's done before, or if anybody's done it, it's not been since Babe Ruth. I mean, this is like... If you could script an athlete for the for the for Major League Baseball right now for them to monetize and and market beyond the baseball fan, I mean this is the sort of guy that can bring in sort of popular press and uh, just sort of the general viewer. He can transcend baseball. And we'll see how it goes tonight. I mean, he hits a leadoff home run and strikes out this the side as the leadoff as, as the starting pitcher. I mean, that's the stuff of um, of, of legend. I mean, we're going to see 30-for-30s 30 30 made about this guy um, down the road. And so we'll see how it, it, it could captivate the imagination of, of the country. And it would be cool to see that happen because it's, it's an interesting story. And I think the dimensions of, uh, you know, a, 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 a Japanese player right now at this moment in the country gaining uh, such attention could be could be really good for baseball could be really good for our country we'll
0: see last question then we'll get you out of here on this Uh, that's an interesting fold because we've seen uh, a lot of uh, disruption and uh, strife when it comes to uh, anti-asian violence in this country but also though the Asian markets and the the progression of particularly China, Japan and uh, surrounding countries uh, into sort of being a, a, not just part of, but a massive uh, influence in uh, pop culture and the the, the uh, global economy as we know it. We've seen this with the NBA particularly. I mean, some of these NBA guys, their biggest star, th- their biggest level of exposure, I should say, is in places like China. I mean, it, that's why the trading card industry has taken off because- In China, the Luka Doncic cards and the LeBron James cards are worth 10 times as much as they are in America because of the novelty, because of the heroism that they they bestow upon these guys. So it seems like with Otani uh, and his background, his place of origin, this is a great opportunity for Major League Baseball to uh, become more of an international sport. So just tell us about that element of this just from a business standpoint.
1: Well, from a business standpoint, I mean, these leagues are constantly trying to think of how do we expand into new markets, you know, and that's why, you know, a couple of years back, I think it was the owner of the Houston Rockets tweeting some sort of anti-Chinese I don't remember the whole story, but that's why it was such a threat to the NBA because the NBA was trying to push into the Chinese market. And, you know, at this stage, these these leagues are so large and they perhaps are saturated in terms of the number of viewers and fans they have in the United States. They have to grow and to expand into new markets. I mean, that's the way this market-based system works. If you're not growing, you're failing. And so for Major League Baseball maybe they're at saturation in the domestic market and they need to expand elsewhere and they're bringing in international players like Otani. So it's natural to to, um, expand market and viewership into the Asian countries. And Otani is a great vehicle for them to do that. And like I said, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're failing. So they need, they need to grow to keep their investors happy.
0: Justin Angle, A Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday right here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Justin also hosts a New Angle podcast, which is an uh, awesome sort of overlay of all of the great people in our community and around Montana doing great things, interesting things. So, Justin, just tell people a little bit about uh, some of your other ventures, how, how they can get uh, more content from you, who's a great content provider.
1: Yeah, a New Angle podcast comes out on... Thursday mornings. It's now on Thursday mornings. You can check us out at a newanglepodcast.com and wherever you get your fine podcast. But also Coulter Big News, and I don't know if we've caught up about this. Now we are on the air on Montana Public Radio at seven thirty on Thursday nights and at five AM on Sunday mornings. So catch us on on those outlets. I don't want to draw viewers away from from your airwaves, Coulter, but um head over to Montana Public Radio on Thursday nights if if you'd like to catch the, the show. Um, or you can pick it up on the podcast, wherever you get your
0: podcast. Well, if you are listening to this show, that means you like information, and you provide great information as well. So, Justin, congratulations on that. That's very cool. And uh, let's catch up in person soon. But in the meantime, thanks so much for hanging out with us here on Nuwana's Now.
1: Likewise. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Colter.
0: 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Jeff Safford, he's already here, sitting in the back. We're going to learn all about the Missoula Paddleheads, most recent road trip, the stretch run of the first half of this season, plus... A little bit more about Major League Baseball, the All-Star Game, and the second half of the MLB season. Keep it right here on ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Axl Rose, Slash, and yours truly, August 13th. I will not be performing with these guys, but we are having a big blowout party. Missoula Broadcasting Company hosting a great uh, pre-show party. First concert at Washington Grizzly Stadium in quite some time. So Guns N' Roses here in Missoula, August 13th. We'll be doing a dual remote broadcast, both here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. As well as 1059 Jack FM. Welcome back into Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. And uh, maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. My good buddy Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, here on the radio today. Before we get to the Paddleheads and the All Star Weekend, Jeff. Uh, you spent a lot of time on the Highland, so you actually, your ears perked up when you heard the news of Mike Van Deist. I know you're uh, relatively new to Montana, so uh, maybe you don't have the the history with Mike Van Deist, but the fact that a coach who once upon a time won 14 Frontier Conference Championships, six national titles, and more than 200 games, one of the great coaches in the history of the state of Montana, is not going to the
2: Montana State Northern Lights as the defensive coordinator. That got your attention a little bit. Yeah, definitely did it. Come came as a huge surprise. Obviously, if you've been following the Frontier Conference and football in general, you know that MSU Northern has struggled mightily. I mean, they did not have they didn't have a program for a little while. Then they brought the program
0: back, and they've been trying to revive it. It's going, but yeah, you're right. They've struggled uh, pretty much
2: across the board for like the last fifteen years. Yeah, and I I can't remember exactly what the losing streak is in the Frontier Conference, but it's going back multiple years, and they, in theory, this season could break, I believe, the all-time losing record in the Frontier Conference, which isn't something you want to shoot for, but obviously, if you're Northern, they just built a brand new football stadium on the campus up there in her on the High Line. They had kind of their first game on campus, one of the first, I think they played four games in their spring schedule this past year, and they lost all of them, but you gotta think, if you're have her in the high line that you're bringing in this top name coach. How are you going to bring in top recruits? You know, what's going to bring people up there to have her? You know, you got to understand that they're way up there. You know, Great Falls, the closest city is about two hours away and there's nothing else up there. So what's going to draw a player to have her? A good coach like that could do it. No question. The one time
0: in the last uh, two decades that – MSU Northern had it going a little bit was when Mark Sampson was there. And then Mark Sampson, Kyle Sampson, they both sort of matriculated then into the high school, back into the high school ranks in uh, the state of Montana. So, uh, very fascinating. I, I was once upon a time honored to be recruited by Coach Van Dese. I did not go to Carroll College. I ended up going to University of Montana to pursue my journalism uh, aspirations. But Mike Van Dese is one of the greats in the history of the state of Montana. His run at Carroll College, unprecedented. So certainly, uh, even though you could say it's just NAI, it's just the Frontier Conference, it's not. That's a big deal in the state of Montana. So we'll continue to uh, track that. We'll see how much influence Coach Van Dese can have. Jeff Safford in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. The Paddlehead's back from a six-game road trip. They're back at home for the next six days starting tomorrow. I got tickets for you starting on Thursday. So if you want a four-pack of tickets to Thursday's game against the Billings Mustangs, Missoula Paddleheads, first pitch, 7.05 p.m., Give me a call or shoot me a text right now, 406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Jeff, just give us a synopsis of what uh, you saw down in Ogden because basically what transpired now has set up what should be a pretty thrilling end to the first half of this Pioneer
2: League season. Yeah, definitely should be looking at the standings, first of all, to kind of set the stage. There's three games left of the first half in the Pioneer League season, and the winner of the first half wins the first half pennant, and that ensures that you then host a playoff game come the end of the season. And Missoula is tied with the Idaho Falls Chuckers atop the standings with three games left. Idaho Falls does have the tiebreaker due to -to head-to-head record, but the Chuckers will be playing against the Ogden Raptors, a team the Paddleheads just saw, very good ball club at home. So the Paddleheads will then come home host Billings Mustangs, a team they've had great success against. They've won five of six so far against Billings this season. So they're looking to pretend, protect their home fields, win all three games, the first half, and hopefully have a shot at that first half pennant. That's kind of what we're looking at.
0: The two half format, which is one of the only familiar things about this uh, return of minor league baseball in Missoula. There's so much, so much that's been different, whether it was the name, the mascot, the logo, Um, sort of the structure of the league, the structure of the schedule, the structure of the roster it's all been different which has been fun to learn about and I think that Missoula uh, as a whole and around the state of Montana people are enjoying this new independent format but particularly the Paddleheads because they are certainly the most successful of Montana's Pioneer League baseball teams Uh, but this first and second half format with the North and the South is one of the the remaining familiar things and one thing I used to always get frustrated with following the, the formerly Missoula Osprey was that if and when the Osprey won the first half title, because they were affiliated directly with the major league team, the second half then became fully about development. It was almost always a priority, but then it became the priority, the only priority, because if the Osprey knew that they already had a postseason bid sewed up, now all of a sudden you're playing everybody all the time. You're putting guys in the hardest situations you can get them in, and they sometimes would win the first half and then not win a lot of games in the second half, but it was okay because then they'd be in the postseason. But it made for just the the day-to-day of the actual baseball uh, viewing experience somewhat lackluster. If you knew what was going on, it was fun, but just for the common fan that wants to see teams win, a little bit different. So it seems like this, though, uh, even if the Battleheads do take care of business here in the first half, they're going to continue to try to roll, and it seems like uh, this is a team that's very intent on winning right now just across the board.
2: Absolutely. And you might see... You know, pitchers get a little bit more rest for a few weeks after the end of the first half. But make no mistake, they understand that teams are improving. It's not going to just be they're going to be able to line up and beat everyone. I mean, we've seen the Great Falls Voyagers play better baseball, the Billings Mustangs. There are a few familiar faces that we'll see this week at Allegiance Field at Ogren Park. Greg Greg Elder, a left-handed pitcher who was once a paddlehead. He's on the Mustangs. Tristan Carranza, of course, was an Osprey. Had a good start to the season here with Missoula. He's now with the Billings Mustangs. So pretty improved club in that respect. And you got to think, looking back at the old the rivalry, so to speak, between Billings and Missoula, that Billings is coming in here. They've got nothing to lose. They would love to play spoiler. That's what I would think.
0: Absolutely. And, and there is uh, some... It's one of the only matchups in the league that does have a little bit of history to it. I know these players aren't necessarily familiar with it, but it seems like the front office then passes that down to the managers and the coaches. So uh, even though even
2: maybe these players are just kind of new to this, it seems like there's a different feel when Billings and Missoula get together, right? Absolutely, and and I see it just being around the front office and just kind of saying like, hey, it's it's Billings week. You know, it's they have to beat Billings. That's just kind of how it is. If you're a paddlehead, it's you're just kind of. Told day one, your job is to beat the Billings Mustangs. It's kind of similar. Thinking about, I grew up as being around the Green Bay Packers. My parents both grew up in Wisconsin. You know, it's if a coach is hired by the Packers, what's their job to beat the Chicago Bears? It's just kind of that's it. Period. Bobcats, Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Bobcats. It's kind of how it goes in Montana
0: as well. Uh, very interesting uh, to be sure. So I found it fascinating because the Paddleheads have been so good in this first half. The thorn in their side has sort of been Idaho Falls. They haven't had as much. Tr- Ogden is is very good, but the Paddleheads seem to have the upper hand in that matchup, even though they've played them now. Uh, what, 15 times or something like that already? Fifteen.
2: Well, 15 of the last
0: 21, 21 games, Right, correct. Right, right. So first of all, let's just start there. That is an anomaly. I've never heard of that before, ever. There's, I've never, never any level of baseball have I heard that of teams playing that long of a
2: stretch. Absolutely not. And I've been around professional baseball a couple of years and I've never seen a stretch like that against one team. I mean, it's one thing to have a couple of series back to back. Sure. But especially thinking about, the groups of six games played almost right after one another. Right, Re- that was just insanity. It was it was crazy. I mean, yeah. you could probably be the play by play guy for the Raptors at this point, right? I mean, you guys may reps anybody in on that team. I mean, I I almost was filling in my scorebook before I even saw the lineup. You, right. Okay, Jacob Goldfarb yep, leading off, now, Josh Broughton second. Oh, is it Pavin Parks or berry hitting third? Let's see today. Hmm. Right. You know that would be the one little caveat, and there were. But give the Paddleheads credit, they definitely did mess around with their order. The Raptors, through that series, were throwing left-handed pitching at them through most of the series. There were six starters, obviously, that came out, and four of them ended up being left-handed pitchers. And Michael Schlack would mess around. Every time a lefty would go out there, he would mess around with the order and send them something different. And I think that was a good idea from his respect because, one... You know, you don't know which lineup's going to work the best. And two, if you find one that does work, then you can use that as your blueprint blueprint going forward. If to be like, all right, left handed pitcher, let's throw lefty lineup C that we had in Ogden type thing.
0: So it hasn't been uh, that large of a task for Missoula to have the upper hand against Ogden, but Idaho Falls has been sort of the thorn in Missoula's side. And that's what this is going to come down to. They're not playing each other in this first, uh, I guess, this finale of the first half. But uh, it's basically going to be who wins more, who loses more over these next three games. So uh, what are you looking for in this series from Missoula against Billings? And why is it that Idaho Falls has been sort of the, the one team that can keep pace with the Paddleheads so far this year?
2: Well, I think the main thing, honestly, is the schedule for Idaho Falls. They've played in the first half, they've played the Rocky Mountain Vibes 18 times, so similar to how the Paddleheads have played the Raptors a ton, except the Vibes are not a very good team at all. They've only won nine games all season long. They have the worst record in the Pioneer League, and the Chuckers have won 17 of 18 against the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and they've just pummeled them. I mean, they had instances where they're putting 20 runs, 18 runs yeah. in on a regular basis, and that's just... So you look at that, it's obviously a huge advantage for the Chuckers. When Missoula has been playing Ogden, the best team in the South, they played the Chuckers a good amount. I believe it was nine games in the first half. So you look at that, 15-9, and nine, that's a large portion of your schedule against teams that are over 500. And Missoula, for the most part, has had the better of them. Yes, they... Did finish with a record below, just below 500 against the Chuckers, but even that has a bit of an asterisk. Remember, there was that game that featured Zach Almond and a knockout that the Paddleheads thought they had won, but there was a mistake made by the umpires, so they had to replay the game, and the Chuckers ended up winning in the second go-rounds, and to me, you have to put an asterisk next to that also. It's the middle of July.
0: So that means uh, not a lot of actual live sporting events going on, uh, but a lot of sports stories going on. And we each and every Tuesday, we do our Treasure State Stars. Because there has not been very much competition, our Treasure State Stars this week goes to the Missoula Paddleheads. So the Pre- Treasure State Stars presented proudly by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes, whether you want free rewards on your checking account with cash back, high dividend rates for any of your accounts, or ATM fee refunds, all types of mortgages, great rates on auto and recreational vehicle loans, and low-rate, no-credit-card fees, saying yes to savings at Parkside Credit Union will benefit you. It's Nuanas now. Jeff Safford, Missoula Paddleheads, joining me in studio in about 10 minutes. Marty Morningweg, former quarterbacks, coach, and offensive coordinator for the Packers, the 49ers, the Eagles, head coach of the Lions for a minute, the Ravens. He's a good friend of this show now, and he just walked into the studio, so we will welcome him in in about 10 minutes as well. But a couple more thoughts on Major League Baseball and All-Star Weekend from Jeff Safford on the other side. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now. The best part about baseball is stats. We got some good stats for you talking about the uh, Major League Baseball Home Run Derby and the Major League Baseball All-Star Break and the second half of the MLB season. I'm Coulter Nuwanez. This is Nuwanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Jeff Safford, the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, joining me in studio. You can catch his call. He's back at home, so he'll be uh, broadcasting down there from Ogren Park and Legion's Field here uh, the next six days starting tomorrow. A huge three-game series between the Paddleheads and the Billings Mustangs to wrap up the first half of the uh, Pioneer League season, and uh, but a six-game stand for the Paddleheads. If you want tickets, I already gave away uh, Thursday and Friday, but I got Saturday tickets, 406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. If you want to go to Saturday's Missoula Paddleheads game, give us a call, shoot us a text, and we'll get you all set up. This is an interesting deal. Jeff, first of all, I'm going to start with a broad question before I give you this Pete Alonso stat. By the way, Pete Alonso, the uh, champion of the Home Run Derby for a second consecutive year, I love that he's building his uh, sort of brand as the Home Run Derby champion. His personality is so fitted to it This is the thing that drives me crazy about MLB. They should be pumping this guy all the way because he's a great character. He's a great home run hitter, all that. But before we get there, what is your current opinion of the way that the Home Run Derby is operated? Because they've been sort of searching for the sweet spot for quite some time here. They have this new bracket format, all these things. But what do you think of the Home Run Derby right now?
2: I like the bracket format. It seems like fun where it sets it up kind of right out of the chute. You're seeing guys go head to head instead of being in kind of a big, cluster of players. That was the thing I remember, you know, watching it as a kid where they'd send eight or ten guys up there and it'd be like round one, round two. It would kinda would kinda drag on for a little while and you would get kind of confused. You'd be like, All right, sure this guy would be you know, he had to have fifteen home runs, but oh he's gotta hit more than this guy but but few, you know but, just got to beat this sure. guy and Well,
0: and some of the it. great some of the great performances that we saw w- wouldn't be in the final or for the winner, right? Like we see there was guys like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Griffey Jr. I can remember all three of those guys having like 15 or 20 home run rounds before the final and so then they would like run out of gas and not win even though right. they put on the best display.
2: Yeah, and yeah, example of that even though he ended up winning it in the end was I remember in 20, I think it was two thousand and seven or two thousand eight at Yankee Stadium when Josh Hamilton had that crazy performance oh yes he hit right like that was twenty so something plus home runs and and that wasn't in the last round I think he ended up winning the Derby in in the end but but yeah you're you're absolutely right where he, guy would go out and just have this crazy round and would end up losing in the end we're we're now at least you got two guys going mano a mono and it's not too many rounds and I like that it's not too many batters either. I, right. I like that it's fewer guys mm-hmm. up there swinging because then it doesn't drag out too long and each batter feels more exciting when they're in there swinging the bat. Pete Alonso won the home run derby for a second consecutive
0: year. Pete Alonso is set to make $675,000 this year. Uh, he, he's soon to meet arbitration and be able to uh, negotiate a much larger contract. He will be a very high paid player when this is all said and done. But $675,000 this year. $1.475 million is his career earnings. He has earned $2 million in home run derbies. That I find amazing. I love that. I love that this guy is sort of like this uh, swashbuck. Uh, he's, he's subsidizing himself as a professional athlete by winning this All-Star Game spectacle two
2: years in a row. I just think that's great that he's made more money in the home run derby than he has in his career. He's a good player. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think of him as one of the top, power guys in Major League Baseball. And considering he's had a lot of success in these home run derbies, you know, if he's ever has a little time off and, you know, if he wanted to help out the Missoula Paddleheads in a knockout game, (laughs) it would also be a big help. But, you know, just maybe a little plug there. But how crazy would that be? That was my...
0: I've been very pleasantly surprised. Uh, it's it's sort of my job to analyze and, and have a critical eye towards everything. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to think of uh, the Missoula Paddleheads and the transition to the independent league. I did think that Missoula was going to buy in uh, if there was a winner. And this organization from the top down, from the Davis family and, and Matt Ellis and everybody else in the front office, they've made a concerted effort to want to win. And I think then that's translated into winning. So I didn't really know what I would think of that. But the only disappointment I had was when I found out that the Pioneer league format was going to not allow, uh, guys that were so much I can't remember what the actual timeline is but so much removed from when they were actually drafted or, or got into professional baseball because I was totally hoping and praying that we would see like a return tour of you know Prince Fielder coming through the the Pioneer League or you know so, somebody on a rehab so, or maybe Pete Alonso just decides to take a couple of days off or he comes on an IR stint and and comes and does a knockout stage you know I, I was just hoping that maybe we could see uh, somebody on their uh, the, the the twilight years of their careers come through here but uh, that's that's not the case, but it would be fun if, if uh if somehow the Paddleheads could employ Pete Alonso as a uh, celebrity home run hitter in these knockout games.
2: Oh, without a doubt. And that's the type of thing that's definitely taken place in independent baseball before. We've seen guys like Bartolo Colon right? or Kevin Millar. Or oh,
0: Ricky Henderson or, was playing he was stealing bases when he was like
2: forty-five years old, right? Or I even I've seen um when I in my time in the Pacific Association, they brought in Jose Canseco multiple right. times. And Jose Canseco played for both the Pittsburgh Diamonds uh-huh. and not Pittsburgh like Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, California, east of Oakland and um, the Sonoma Stompers. And they brought him in for like a weekend series where he would play like two or three games and he would show up about an hour, hour and a half before game time in uniform with, with his bats and entourage and the whole thing. And they'd put him in the lineup in the DH spot and it would be Jose Canseco, number 33, batting in the cleanup hole, you know, and he would Maybe. get two or three at-bats, and, and he wasn't bad. Like, he would of go course against not. guys that, you know, he'd go against guys that are half or less of his sure. age, you know, and and he took a couple of guys deep. I saw him hit a ball that I don't think has landed yet that went over the top of where Arnold Field is in um, Sonoma. It's kind of a multi-purpose facility where it's also used for football, you know, so it's like the... The grandstands for football are in, like, left-center field. Yep. And Canseco hit a ball completely over the top of the grandstands, just got a fastball, like, right over the plate and just, see ya. You know, and the crowd just went nuts. So I would love to see stuff like that in the... the Pioneer League. It would be fun. Jeff Stafford, voice of Missoula has joined me.
0: Colter Nuanas in studio. Uh, last question for you, Jeff. The Major League Baseball All Star game tonight, uh, 5 30. You can find it on Fox. We're on SWX Montana TV. Uh, that's direct partners with ABC Fox. So uh, you can just switch over to 23.3 T- KTMF here in Missoula to catch the All Star game. Starts here in about uh, 30 minutes. Shohei Otani is the story of baseball right now. I'm confused why he's not more of a story on the national stage. Uh, It's getting a little bit of national exposure. It is getting a decent amount of national exposure. There is the Olympics, the NBA Finals, but I just think it should be a much bigger story that we have a guy that competed in the home run derby last night that's going to hit leadoff for the American League and be the starting pitcher on the mound. If he can't save baseball, I don't think baseball needs saving per se, but if he can't be the guy that leads baseball back
2: into the conversation of the big three in professional sports in America, I don't really know who can I mean, you look at a player like Shohei Ohtani and he's got so many things going for him. I mean, just for one thing, just his skill set is just so unique. I mean, I we've mean it's, seen, uh, it's once in a lifetime, right? We've never seen this in our lifetimes. Ab- absolutely not. I mean, we've heard stories about Babe Ruth being a pitcher and obviously hitting over 700 plus home runs over his career, but you don't think of him as a pitcher. You just know that... He did, where Otani, you see it. He's throwing 90-plus, you know, gas, you know, and just mowing guys down, and he's the starting pitcher in the all-star game. While, by the way, oh, he can also hit a ball, you know, I don't even know how far he hit that ball at um 586
0: Timo. was the final count from the Elias Sports Bureau. And I was I mean that's not possible. <laughs> For people that don't understand what that means, like 586 that is like a gargantuan home run. That's an
2: all-time great home run. I mean, I think I think the only player I've seen hit a ball further at Coors Field was was Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds one point Around 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. At Coors Field, they have a blue line way, way up in the upper deck. Mm -hmm. Where it's like signifies like it's a mile high. Right. Barry Bonds in batting practice one day hit a ball (laughs) there. Where it's like, oh my. But Otani hit this in a game. Yeah. This is what's crazy. And he's
0: one of the great center fielders in the league. He has a great arm. He's, I mean, he's starting in the All-Star game as a pitcher. It's unparalleled. I just, I I guess I don't... if this isn't it that I don't know
2: what's going to be it for Major League Baseball I just feel like they should just be pumping all of this stuff. And and the other aspect of it is you think about the international part of it where right. so Otani 100%. being a Japanese born player in ja- in baseball in Japan is huge. huge. Like the, yep. the Japanese professional league is very very good baseball and there's been numerous guys like Johnny Gomes comes to mind immediately who have gone over there and played and then come back to the States and played in the big leagues. Like, it's very good baseball over there and people love baseball. So if you can push Otani similarly to, like, how Ichiro was back in the day with the Mariners, like, you could bring in that audience in as well. And that's going to bring even just more eyeballs to baseball in general. And if you don't push it, then I don't really understand. And another guy I feel like doesn't get... Pushed enough also is one of his teammates, Mike Trout. I mean, he's been been doing all these crazy things defensively, all these highlight catches, and he hits well over 300. I mean, he's just this five-tool player that's so unique, and nobody's talking about him. It's crazy. It's just, I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, My uh, seven-year rant about uh, the
0: mismarketing of Major League Baseball players will continue next Tuesday when Jeff Safford's swings by. But in the meantime... Thank you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Uh, Jeff will be on the call, Missoula Palheads, tomorrow all the way through next Monday. So you can catch him right here at 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Thanks for stopping by, man.
2: Yeah, no problem. And if there's uh, one thing I would maybe suggest, um, maybe try to get some Creed bed music for the games this week.
0: <laughs> I got another Creed guy in the house. Sky coach quarterbacks. In the NFL that included Brett Favre, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Don McNabb, and Lamar Jackson. He's now coaching quarterbacks in the city of Missoula. He's got a camp coming up later this week. You'll hear from Morty Morningweg next on Nuanas Now.